and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Drew Arnott. Now, Drew, who's one of the founding members of the band Strange Advance, they're a Canadian synth-pop group from the 80s, and they had major hits in their native Canada, such as We Run and Worlds Away. They never quite had this success in the States, so naturally, I discovered them when I went to school in Buffalo, thankfully. They had, like I said, major success in Canada. They were nominated for a Juno for Most Promising Group. That's like the Best New Artist Grammy. They worked with Brian Adams, and Drew tells a funny story about how Brian helped and hurt their career, as well as legendary producer Bob Rock. Drew actually produced our second album. He goes into that story as well. Very thoughtful, very nice guy. I enjoyed my conversation with Drew, and I hope you do as well. So, Drew, um, luckily, I discovered your music when I was in college. I went to school up in Buffalo, and people listening to the show probably hate hearing this story. Um, one of the best things, actually, to happen out of college, besides, you know, the chicken wings and the beer, was discovering great Canadian music. And I've had so many great Canadian artists, and it's adding me now. Um, I first heard uh, your song, We, uh, we Run. And on the radio, and this is obviously before the time where you can just hold your phone up and just have the song and the lyrics, or right. you'll, you'll have the song in the name get displayed. So for the longest time, I thought the song name was Point of the Night. And ah, wow. Yeah, so obviously no one can really help me there. Uh, no. So, you know, so basically, a few times I heard it, I think it was from the river that was either Toronto or Niagara Falls that led into Buffalo, and finally they told me after I think the fifth or sixth time I heard it within like a whole year, that it was Strange Advance, so after that I went immediately to the store and purchased your uh, your three albums, so uh, th- thank you for the three albums, I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're very welcome. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a secret little thrill of mine, because uh, the idea of us going out and playing live especially um you know we were supposed to start off by playing a big festival last summer okay the festival got canceled so that was the end of that but uh, what i really liked about the idea was you'd be playing in front of you know 20 30,000 people and and uh, most of them wouldn't have a clue who we were right. um you know by name and uh and i was really looking forward to having that uh you know that thrill of being on stage and then you you go into some songs that you know people absolutely know you know because i hear these stories all the time yeah. that you know people people just have some misconception oh i thought you were a british band you know, i didn't know you were canadian and, and uh I, they have no clue what the name of the band is so like you all they've got is a, an obscure little snatch of a song in their head or whatever and, and they hope one day to find it again and then there we are it's like oh you're you're those guys right you know we get that reaction all the time so yeah it would have been it would have been kind of fun to well and it'll happen just uh yeah just be a little, a little further down the road so to speak it's, yeah yeah is it's like the 80s revival is that really big in canada as it is in the u.s well you know one thing about america everything is bigger <laughs> right uh so so probably not quite as as, as as much as you guys, but but it certainly is a big thing. Um, you know, it's like all the '80s bands seem to be, you know, back together and you know playing gigs and and out there and stuff, which is you know pretty crazy because it's 
you know, Strange Advance was something I had parked a long time ago. You know, it wasn't like, well, you know, we'll take five years off, then we'll go out as a, you know, revival, you know, band or something. And yeah, so I just never assumed, you know, that it would happen. But finally, you know, here we are. So it'll be fun, you know, because we've only had that. Like when we when we started, uh, we didn't even tour the first album. You know, we weren't an actual band. It was Daryl and I, two right. songwriters. You know, yeah. and uh, so you know we would put bands together for for the studio work, and um, yeah, so we didn't do a lot of live touring initially, and then of course you know, haven't been around for thirty years, mm-hmm. and uh, and here we are again. So it's only my second sort of you know time at the bat, so to speak. So I'm kind of looking forward to just, you know, having the experience and, and a, a more hopefully mature body and mind, you know, where I can kind of relax and enjoy it this time, you know, not be stressed. Yeah. What, like, what made you revisit the band? Well, you know, Daryl and I, um, uh, we have like a love-hate relationship. Okay. And, um, and when we're not, uh, when we're not working together, it's, it's pure love, pure <laughs> love, and uh, but yeah, you know, you know, we can have lots of creative differences of opinion and stuff. So, um, so as a result, you know, when we're not doing the music thing, we're very, very tight and close and everything, and and um, and so it's it's very easy for us to sort of, you know, look back with rose-colored glasses at, at, at the strange advanced experience and just you know remember all the good times. And, uh, and so, so we end up, you know, you know, imagining what it would be like and, 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 you know, Daryl's always been into the idea and, uh, and, you know, we talked about it, but it was all just sort of, you know, pie in the sky kind of conjecture, you know, but, uh, then David Bowie died yeah. and it's like, holy shit I did not expect that and um, you know he was a pretty iconic figure for both of us and uh, and it was like okay you know so we're talking about doing this but when would we ever do it if we don't do it now when would it ever happen right so we just thought man gotta gotta go for it so for the last you know I don't know a year and a half two years I've been totally committed to. I just basically stopped doing everything else and, st- and turned on the Strange Advance tab. Was it is just in like regards to touring or you know producing new music or like what was like oh, the main objective? Uh, yeah, all of the above. Okay. Uh, just basically, you know, I would say awaken the beast, but you know it wasn't much of a beast before. But <laughs> you know, as a uh, yeah, a little Dalmatian or something. But um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, just getting it, it's a what an endeavor putting a band together, you know, after all that time, you know, you, you know, you, there's so many elements that are that are involved. It's uh, really, really some job. But anyway, it's up, it's running and uh, and it's waiting. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. I won't be able to see it. And maybe I'll get the trip to Canada or something. Well, yeah, I mean, what's wrong with the little long weekend in, in, in Canada? No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And and have you actually been to Canada? Oh well, yeah. I mean, um, you know, going to school up in Buffalo, I you know go there every weekend because the music, you know, 
fake ID or anything the age of like 19, but I went, oh, yeah. know, I, I went there, the last time was about three years ago, my son and I both were hockey fans, so we kind of did a hockey weekend. We nice. in Buffalo and then Toronto and stuff like that. So it was, yeah, yeah. It was fun, but I ha- haven't been past uh, Windsor. That's right. Just, you know, the west, westernmost part of Canada I've been to. I always wanted to go to Vancouver and that area. So yeah, it's yeah. It's on my list, so it would be nice. Yeah, well, I'd like to tell people don't bother. It's <laughs> not worth it. Right. <laughs> there are no beautiful mountains and oceans. And yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just ignore us over here. Yeah, just keep all the Americans out, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing against Americans. I just right. think to everybody. Yeah, I know. But, but yeah, yeah. I hear you. But uh, yeah, kind of going, you know, a few years before that, um, what like was like the biggest like turning point in your life musically? What like what made you decide this is what I want to do? Hmm. Well, you know, I've uh, I've always kind of thought it's a, a weird affliction, uh, a mental illness or something, but I guess <laughs> not, because I, I guess a lot of people have this. But I have music in my head 24, I was going to say 24-7, that's not quite true. I have no idea what's in my head when I'm asleep. But, uh, but yeah, you know, there's always a tune, and it might be, you know, a, a a, a song that everybody knows, or it might be an old-fashioned song, or or I might be actually writing a song, and and I I've got to stop and think, oh, what is this? And then I've got to like, no, no, I don't remember it from anything else, and and then I I retrace my steps to make sure I wasn't just passing a, a radio that was playing and I picked up on the melody or something, and then it's like, oh, okay, there's music there, and um. And so it's it's just something I've always been aware of. You know, it wasn't like you know I've, I I I'm actually a drummer, and and you know back in the day, it was a pretty big thrill to get to see uh, Buddy Rich, um, you know, pretty much in his prime, and uh, you know, and as a drummer, it's like okay, that was the moment I decided the drums were for me. Um, I didn't have one of those moments. It's just just the way it's always been just wanted to, i had music i wanted to get it out i had no real way to do it until you know got into pop music and stuff and learned a few chords what were you listening to back then that, that made you like kind of influence well you know i i i loved the prog scene right um, so initially i i was like a beatles fan you know, like probably everybody was at one time, and uh, and the Beatles and a little psychedelia came along, and and uh, somewhere in there, Prague started up, and uh, and of course, you know, Led Zeppelin was was on the scene. Uh, you know, it was like such powerful music. You know, had never heard anything like it, and uh, and at the same time, you know, here's another band. Um, check this band out. They're called Syrinx. S Y R I N X. Syrinx. And they've got a, an album called Long Lost Relatives. And uh, it's just fantastic. Uh, there's a track on side one, December Angel, that I just love. But anyway, that's a, a band, a Canadian band from the, the 70s. And brilliant mix of, of acoustic and, and electronic stuff. This guy was like one of the early synth pioneers, you know. Right. And, uh, yeah, so things like that, uh, you know, I, I loved Yes, Genesis, 
you know, Jethro Tull. Um, you know, I loved pop music as well. Uh, you know, like I, I was a big fan of, uh, you know, Roxy music or, or, or Bowie or, you know, uh, you know, T-Rex bands like that. And so, yeah, that's I'm kind of a combination of all of the above, I guess. How, um, how did, uh, Daryl come into the picture? Um, Daryl and I, I put an ad in the Vancouver sun, uh, looking for a singer. Right. And uh, and he answered the ad, and uh, which is like a remarkable thing, you know, that he did, right. because uh, you know, because he would never have done that now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he was sort of open to uh, possibilities, and and uh, and we hit it off right away, and, and formed a band, and and you know, played played in this cover band, and, and we did all those all those songs. Uh, you know, by all those bands I was just mentioning, and um, and that was sort of like the birth of Strange Advance Dream, and uh, and you know we wrote together after Slan. I I finished my my term in Slan, and uh, then we got together and started writing and looking for a record deal, and finally uh, Capitol Records uh, picked us up. Right, and the, the band like before was called Strange Advance, it was Metropolis, correct? Well, that was our original uh, name for right. for the band, and and uh, turned out there was some a band in Germany uh, called Metropolis, and, and they wanted a huge amount of money for the name, so <laughs> so we uh, we had to come up with a new name, yeah. and that was a funny because you know band names, man, right. they are not easy to come by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ones that don't make you gag anyway, yeah. so uh, and everything makes you gag in the beginning. You know, yeah. I got an idea for a name of the band. What 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 is it? The Beatles. Right. The Beatles. Yeah. You know, what about the Caterpillars? That's a better one. It's like you know, it's just ridiculous. Everything sounds ridiculous. So anyway, we struggled for a long time trying to come up with a name, and then uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time uh, suggested Strange Advance, and it's like, oh, interesting. You know, where'd that come from? And he was listening to the radio in the car, and. Uh, and this guy had a, he reruns old radio shows, and there was one called Strange Advance. Well, as it turned out, we decided we liked the name, so that we went with it. And then it turned out, no, there's no radio show called Strange Advance. It was called Strange Events. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, not nearly as cool a name. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think we would have gone for that. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, finally there we were. Right, and then you probably didn't have to worry about another band, you know, in Europe being titled Strange Advance. So. Yeah, I feel sorry. You know, sometimes people will tell me the name of a band, and it's like, what's the name of the band? It's called Book. Yeah. Book? You you want me to look up Book? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, but, you know, anyway, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it is nice to have a, band, a name that's sort of a little different. Right. No, like, um, as a matter of fact... Um, uh, one time, our first album was produced by Bruce Fairburn, and okay. he was known for, you know, Bon Jovi and right. you know Aerosmith, and all Bowie. these you know, sort of corporate acts and stuff. And um, but he he loved prog prog rock, and so you know he sort of he had an affinity for us and our music. And uh, but anyway, one time I got a call to go into the studio uh, to, 
to do a session with Aerosmith, and uh, they wanted some Mellotron. Well, that's okay. sort of my specialty, right. so that's great. And uh, they sent me a copy of the track, and, and I went in, and, and um, you know, we did the session. Well, I, I, I played them my ideas anyway, which they hated. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. And, uh, and, uh, and then uh, Steve Tyler says, you know, oh, no, I'm, I'm looking for more like this. And he's playing like the dream on Mellotron part. Right. And it's like, well, geez, I wish somebody had told me that because, you know, <laughs> I could have moved in that direction. But anyway, um, five, we were all just like, you know, fed up after an hour trying to come up with an alternate idea. And I said, look, let me play the original one one more time. So they run the track. I play this. I play the part. And, and they're both like, you know, Joe Perry turns around and is like, that's the fastest I've ever grown to love a part. Hmm. And so everyone's like, okay, that's great. And, and, and Steven Tyler's like, you know, so you play in a band. It's like, yeah. And what's the name of the band? Strange Advance. That's the stupidest, shittiest name I've ever heard. It's like, ooh, yeah. sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you took a great offense to that name. I don't quite understand it, but anyway, that's that's the name story. Yeah, he might have been jealous because he didn't think of it first. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that probably steamed at me there, yeah. Right, yeah. Now, um, you mentioned getting a record deal with Capitol, and I heard like Brian Adams was kind of influential. Yeah, Brian, you know something? Brian Adams, directly or indirectly, got us a record deal and lost us a record deal. Um, initially, uh, Daryl was, Daryl, sorry, I've got a, I'm cooking dinner as we talk. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Daryl, uh, was, was playing in a, in a band. I mean, we were all friends at that time. Um, with, you know, everyone knew everyone. And, uh, and Daryl was playing in, in this band called Remote Control. They were Brian's, uh, Brian chose them to be a sort of backup band or whatever. And uh, so they did a Canadian tour, and uh, Daryl had been playing in some of our music. And, uh, and Brian said, oh, that sounds great. You know, uh, you know, give me a tape, and I'll pass it on to someone. So he gave it to Bruce Fairburn, and, uh, and that was great. Uh, Bruce was into it, and, you know, on, off to the races we go. So, you know, Brian's very essential to, you know, the – the story of Strange Advance, but then we put out our first album on Capitol, and and you know, and we do, you know, you know, well or moderately well in Canada. You know, the record goes gold and stuff. And in the states, the record company, because we were signed out of L.A. Right. And but they um, loved the record. You know, had no problems with the record. And uh, but. It just didn't sell, you know. They, 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 we had a few pockets of support, but you know, it just wasn't, you know, flying off the shelves. So uh, they didn't want to pick up the option for our next album. And uh, our guy, our our guy, Dean Cameron, um, he thought, oh, geez, you know, he better like do a little, um, you know, backroom kind of wangling here to to keep us on the label because, you know, he was a big fan and, and wanted to see us succeed and stuff. So he goes to uh, A&M Records and, uh, and talks to his buddy there, 
the head of A and R, and uh, and plays him our 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 second album or songs from the second album. Well, he falls in love with one of the songs, going, "Man, this is a hit! Yeah, for sure." Uh, you know, I want to talk. I want to talk about doing a deal. Um, so then, I didn't hear this until years later. Uh, um, Bruce Allen, who was uh, Brian Adams' uh, manager, uh, shows up at A and M, sees our tape on this guy's desk, and hurls at the wall, smashing it, and starts screaming at the guy, you know, to don't even consider, you know, uh, signing signing this band. If you if you you know if you were to do that, I would I would pull Adams off the label. Wow. And Adams, and Adams was a big band for them at the time, you know, a big act for them. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, it was bizarre. So it's like, um, you know, if it wasn't for Brian Adams, we wouldn't have got signed. And if it wasn't for <laughs> Brian Adams, you know, we might have actually, yeah. uh, you know, gotten a, a deal with A&M and who knows where things would have gone. But anyway. Wow. <laughs> well, that's, awesome. that's a great story, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned, like, Capital being, you know, obviously – American label and being signed to you know out of Los Angeles. Was there a big push for that album? I mean, I, I know you mentioned it had some like you know pockets of you know, success. In your case, well, but... you know, like uh, I saw memos that the president of the company put out um, every week. He, he sends out a letter to all the the field agents and stuff, and uh, and he, he was really and, and they were pushing Worlds Away. The song Worlds Away was like about a seven minute. Yeah. You know, sort of lowest number.
Nights in White Satin, Moody Blues, or, you know, this is, you know, an important track, and, you know, I, I find some time, and just, you know, when, you've, when you're not going to be interrupted, and put this, you know, in your in your car on the way home, or, you know, on your stereo at home, and, and listen to this, you're going to, you know, love it, and, and anyway, he was, like, really into it, and I, I think we were just a little out of step with, you know, what was going on in the States, maybe, at the time, you know, uh, it was like, uh, I, I don't blame anybody. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the way it is. Sometimes you click, sometimes you don't. But, uh, yeah, so as a result, you know, I would hear from certain people, um, you know, like, oh, I heard your song on the radio. It sounds great. And, you know, there were little areas here and there. Uh, apparently San Francisco was a good city for us. Okay. And, and, of course, the border towns because we got played on Canadian radio. Right. Which is how you heard us. So... Yeah, which is a, a really cool, you know, benefit to being so southerly, um, you know, where, you know, we're practically in the States. Yeah. So, yeah. So why do you think it is, like, difficult for some, like, Canadian bands to break through? Like, you, you mentioned Brian Adams, who's obviously big worldwide, you know, huge in the U.S., like, close to you, or maybe even, like, The Box. Like, why is it well, so hard for some of these Canadian bands to actually kind of break through and have success? Um, you know what? We are babies compared to uh, Europe and the UK yeah. um, in terms of our ability to, you know, adopt or, or, or yeah, adopt, uh, you know, uh, different genres and stuff. Um, you know, our radio is here is so limited. Uh, and, and you know really what you can hear at any one time, you know it's, it's very focused in in that you know pop area or whatever or, or hip hop or whatever. That's about it. But uh, yeah, I think that we were just uh, Canadians have the ability to be a, or maybe just our nature a little more idiosyncratic. Just you know we we stand out a little. We're a little peculiar. Okay. Whereas like you know in the states, it's like uh, watch. You know any of like the American Idol or or uh, any of those talent shows? Um, 
it's just all cookie cutter. It's like, oh, no, I've nailed that part. It's almost like everyone's auditioning for the same part in the movie. It's like they all want to be the same. It's like, I don't think we've got that here in Canada. You know, there's there seems to be enough room to allow a lot of different kinds of talents to, to pop out. And and I would say could possibly have, you know, a, quite a bit of success in Europe if we had the wherewithal to get over and tour and, and become known. But uh, but America, that's a tough nut to crack. Was that ever your plan? Like you mentioned, Europe to go over there and try to get success there. Well, it was, it was, and uh, and we were, yeah, we made some, you know, okay, I made some bad decisions. <laughs> um, you know, we were going to go over uh, to do like a, just a promotional tour right. uh, after the second album, and. Uh, and then and then uh, play here, uh, start on a tour here. Uh, just a promotional tour in Europe, though. Just you know, interviews and all that kind of stuff. And um, and I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember they all of a sudden it's like okay, um, you, you got to leave on Friday. It's like what? I, I thought I thought we were like two weeks away. No, no, they need you now because. Europe closes down at a certain point in the summer and, and you've got to do all this stuff before that happens and they freeze the charts. So we run was in the charts at the time and uh, on its way up and they thought, get over there now, promote it and, you know, boost it up the, the charts as far as you can. And then it'll sit there for the next two months, uh, at, you know, frozen at the same position. Apparently that's the way it was. I don't know if it's like that now, right. but, um, so that's fine. It's like, okay, I get it, I get it. But then it was like, okay, but the way that works is we would, it would just be Daryl and I in, in Europe. We would have to let the band rehearse without us. And then we would have to meet them in Toronto. And we've got two days to rehearse there. And, and, that, and then we're out playing live for the first time. It's like, we can't possibly do that you know it was like uh, you know we can't just rehearse for two days Mm -hmm. you know there's a a lot two albums worth of material and and you know a lot of technology involved so so i said well no we can't do the european european thing at the time we were between managers so you know we didn't we weren't getting any advice from anybody and i just thought well no no we, and now it's like looking back it's like or you could have just postponed the tour right just you know just drop the first week of dates and attack them on at the end and you would have been fine but now i wasn't thinking like that at the time <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah so it's uh it's an interesting thing to end up you know things to end up the way they did you know, when you consider all the decisions that were made throughout that career, you know, brought you to where you are now, you know, and at any point along the way, well, oh, what if I had done this or yeah. done that or, you know, whatever. It's like, and that can drive you crazy, so I don't bother going there. Right. I mean, guys carved out a great career in Canada, so nothing to be... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. You know, we were we were lucky, and... and Going back to Dean Cameron at Capitol Records, we would have been nothing without that guy. Right. You know, he was our champion. He promoted the hell out of us. You know, and uh, and we're one of those bands where it's, you know, we're not like instantly captivating. Uh, 
you know, it's more of a, a long-term kind of a thing. And, you know, and I have people even today that say, you know, I'm still hearing new things. You know, I've got a, I've got a new set of headphones. And, oh, I, I never heard that little part. You know, it's like we're sort of a detail-oriented band that yeah. way. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, yeah. we did uh, well enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned, you know, I first heard We Run, so I got the two album first, and then I went back to the debut album. And uh, like Worlds Away, you mentioned, like, that being the single, over seven, you know, seven minutes long. Was there ever talk about shortening that to kind of get more radio play out of it? Well, this is the hilarious thing. You know, first of all, no one anticipated uh, Worlds Away being released as a single. Uh, she controls me. The first, was the first single, and, and it and it did okay. You know, it was fine. the big song to album so they they did a, an edit and uh and brought it down to like you know, a little over five minutes or something and um but the crazy thing was the djs wouldn't play it <laughs> they all continued to play the seven minute version right you know 
which was like a, a side note. It was a bonus to me because the song, because it was over five minutes or, or I don't know, what, whatever the, the time period is, because it was over that certain point, um, it counted as two songs. So every time it got played on the radio, I got paid twice. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, it was very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, DJs liked the long version. So uh, that was at a time when I, I guess you could sort of get away with that. But uh, I don't think it would happen anymore. No, definitely not. But, yeah, no, I'm glad that they, they played the you know, seven-minute version because that, that song was just it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it blew me away the first time I heard it. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a cool song. I I like it. Uh, and um, but yeah, it's it's a funny thing when you when you write songs, you know, sh there are songs that stand out in your mind, and certainly "Worlds Away" is one of them. But but actually, usually the song that stands out in, in your mind is the latest one you just wrote. Of you course, know, yeah. So you you've kind of moved on, but uh, so which is nice that uh, you know because I have been writing new material and everything. Not that I'll play much of any at, at uh, in concert because, you know, universally people want to hear the music they they are they're used to, you know. And uh, but anyway, you know, working with new music and now getting a chance to go out and play the old music, because like uh, I can remember a friend of mine. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. We did a Kickstarter okay. campaign, right. and my little video, I said something along the lines of. Uh, um, you know, like, you know, putting together all the, the instruments for, for the songs, you know, to, in preparation for touring live. And I said, and, and, you know, you know, relearning all my parts, mm. you know, don't worry, I'm almost there. And, um, and my friend says, you know, I, I know you're kidding, but, you know, some people out there might think that, you know, you don't actually know how to play those songs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, buddy, you have no idea. I haven't, I haven't played any of these songs for 30 years. It's like, I have no clue what the, what the hell I was doing back then. Right. You know, so, uh, so yeah, I had to actually relearn all the songs and, yeah. Yeah. Was it, um, yeah. Was it like riding a bicycle or you, you really had to like struggle to pick it up again? Well, you know, like I'm, I'm playing this one song going, oh man, this is just not coming back to me. You know, this, and then I'm going, hold it, and then I hit my, uh, 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 no, no, sorry, I'm trying to write, my transpose switch on my keyboard, and I and I knock it down, a semitone. It's like, oh, oh, that's it. <laughs> now I remember, because like it's like you have the muscle memory of you know the way chords are formed and stuff. And, uh, and and playing it in that other key, it's like, oh, this just feels all so foreign to me. I don't get this. So anyway, it was a simple fix. But uh, yes, in answer to your question, it did take a while to relearn everything and you know find the sounds and 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 you know you think you're going to remember things. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll remember what patch that was. It's like, no, no, you won't. <laughs> so you know, anyway, it's been quite an exercise. Right, and then when you guys were working on two, I know uh, the great Bob Rock from Palos, a great band. Uh, he engineered the first album, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like a killer lineup on our first album. Um, uh, Mike Fraser uh, was our assistant engineer. 
uh, along with uh, um, good old what's his name? I got us. Uh, oh, sorry, Dave Ogilvie. I couldn't remember Dave's name there. Um, who you know went on to you know great fame with uh, like Nine Inch Nails and Skinny Puppy and all that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, so we had Bob. Mike, you know, is again one of the top rock producers in in the world, and uh, and Dave, and, and what a lineup! It was awesome, and of course Bruce Fairburn producing. Right. That was pretty great. Was there ever talk on the second album to have you know Bob produce it? No, no, and that that's an interesting that's an interesting thought, and I guess because because it's we. You know, we knew each other. Right. It was kind of like a weird, no, we want a big name. We want somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> and, you know, because we were still in the, in the uh, you know, sort of frame of mind of looking for someone to sprinkle the magic dust on our songs. Right. You know, it's like, oh, make it fantastic. It's like, oh, sorry, buddy, you got to do that yourself. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. Sorry, this is me pouring the pass in. And uh, yeah, but that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, you know, and, and in retrospect, although you know something, the Pales made one, in my opinion, one mistake when they when they brought in David Foster. Yeah. To produce that record, it was like, what the hell are you doing? You're not a David Foster act. No. You know, you don't need all the gloss and all the you know. You know the, the the toys, and you know it's like you're like because they were a punk band yeah. originally, you know, and uh, so I thought that was kind of an odd odd choice, but uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that Bob Rock is a world class engineer, mixing, producing guy. Right, he's awesome. Yeah, no, because he, he later on working with Metallica and, and such, you know, they really oh yeah, yeah, produced some, some great stuff as well as him and you know. Uh, rock and hide when those two got together from the Taylor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how did you end up uh, producing the album? Well, just uh, before we end off with the Paolas, um, uh, the Paolas old bass players in our band. Okay, that's great. A Train, yeah, yeah. He's really cool. Um, how did I end up producing? Well, you know what happened was we went into the studio with Bruce Fairburn, and Bruce because he was like a very efficient together kind of a guy. Um, you know, he had his schedule and everything. And when we went into the studio, it's like, I don't think we've got the songs. I don't think we're ready to start, you know? And, uh, and Bruce, you know, we cut a couple of tracks. It's like, yeah, if this is our strongest material, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and so, and, and I said, like, look, you know, I, I think we should, you know, put this off, you know, come back in three months. And, um, and he couldn't do it. You know, we just, it just didn't fit with his schedule. So he said, you know, look, you know, find somebody else. Um, you know, I'll have to bow out. It's like, okay. So uh, we started the hunt. And the thing that, I have very few major regrets in my life but this is this is one of them um again going back to the paolas when they were making one of their records with uh um mick ronson um 
they had asked me to come in to to play some synth bass or something on something and uh, you know Mick Ronson is a great keyboard player it's like I don't know what the hell you need me for but uh, it was so cool getting to to meet him and uh, <laughs> connecting and uh, and I asked him uh, you know if you know cause this was just prior to making the second album I asked him if he would be uh, willing to do some string arrangements for us because I I love big orchestral you know works right. and stuff and uh so he said, sure, yeah, I'd love to. So then, uh, you know, months later, we're looking for a producer. And why the hell didn't we think, hey, Mick Ronson? Yeah. Well, because, like, he, he was responsible for a lot of that early Bowie sound. You know, he, he was a huge part of what was going on. So, you know, and not to mention, we would have heard stories for days, you know, because uh, I'm telling you. We're uh, we're gluttons for that kind of thing, uh, you know, because we're fans. You know, we grew up listening to Bowie, and you know, t- you know, getting to hear the stories of how things were put together, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would would have been fantastic. But anyway, we didn't think of him, and we ended up. Uh, funnily enough, uh, uh, this came up in conversation a couple of days ago. This guy was talking about uh, a movie called The Dead Zone. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and it was uh, it was a pretty interesting movie, and and I found myself really gravitating towards the the score, and uh, so you know it turns out it's Michael Caine, and, and then uh, and then we dug into him a little bit, and of course he's you know best known for working with Pink Floyd as their sort of musical director and stuff, but uh, anyway we decided uh, we connect, contacted a few different people. Um, Bob Ezrin, uh, another fantastic uh, Canadian producer, and he produced Pink Floyd and uh, you know Peter Gabriel and all sorts of different acts. And um, but it, it didn't really click there, <laughs> mainly because he said, "Well, uh, I'll play all the keyboards." And it's like, mm, as the keyboard player, then what would I be doing on right. the record? <laughs> you know, it's like, what? <laughs> So that didn't that didn't work, um, but yeah. So we uh, we met with Michael, and uh, he was a very nice guy, and uh, we hit it off. And, and then the next thing you know, we're off to London and and uh, having that experience, working at Pink Floyd's old studio, yeah. Britannia Row. That was so wow. cool. Because it's oh, fantastic, fantastic. And and coming from that time period, all you know, of course, it was a time of record albums, twelve inch, and uh, record covers, and you know, we loved cover art. And in the same building was Hypnosis, um, the guy that did all the Pink Floyd album covers, as as well as you know, half the records that were being released at that time period. So you know, it was just we were just felt like we were in the center of the the universe, you know. And uh, it was a very cool experience. Uh, that's yeah. Fantastic. So then, um, you guys came back to complete the album. Or did you kind of take it over? Right? Well, yeah. So what happened was that we start the second album with Michael Kamen, and uh, and for reasons I guess I won't bother getting into now. Uh, uh, 
at the, it, Michael was ready to wrap up the album and and we're like uh we're not finished <laughs> you know we haven't recorded half the half the, the tracks on it um, you know the keyboards aren't you know nearly complete and um but he had his own reasons he wanted to you know plow through and just finish it so you know we had to kind of pull the plug on things and uh and then we went back home and and uh and our record company guy said again dean cameron well look maybe you should produce it and it's like huh what so uh so that was a you know a really you know great boost to you know uh, uh, you know his belief in, in, in our abilities and my abilities and, and so that was like you know okay yeah, let's try this so you know I won't say I was the quickest producer in the world <laughs> but uh, but I, I loved, I, yeah I love the process and uh, and I love being in studio so it was a perfect perfect job for me and um, yeah, so we I ended up producing the album, and then uh, when it came time for the third album, um, you know, we had met a couple of an engineer and a bass player that you know we fell in love with. Um, Howard A was on bass, and and he's all over We Run and most of the second and third album, and uh, and Joe was uh, the engineer of uh, a lot of the second album. Anyway, uh, so we got teamed up with them. And they co-produced, and, uh, and and you know, I made a good sounding record. But uh, and then that was it. Mm -hmm. Now, thirty years later, here we are. Yeah, I know that's crazy. Was um, yeah. was there ever a push for the second album? You know, in in America, or is that ship already? Oh, oh yeah, the push. I forgot about <laughs> the push. Um, so the second album comes out, and by the way. The only reason that there was a second album was because the timing was so fortuitous. Right. At the time, they were thinking of, oh, forget it, we're not signing these guys again. <laughs> um, at the same time, there was an international A&R conference. And, uh, and, and Dean got, because you know, he, um, he was like the Canadian A&R guy, so he, he was in charge of us. And uh, and people from you know the UK and Italy and Germany are asking, oh, so you know when's the next Strange Events record coming out? And uh, and Dean's like, oh, I, I don't know if there's going to be one. So what? 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 What are you talking about? It was so great that there's a band with the future. So uh, the Americans, oh, you actually care about this band? Oh, okay, fine, fine, fine. Then we'll put out another record. So they put out the record. And uh, I get a call from a friend of mine in L.A. The record's been out for two, maybe three days. He said, Drew, we just bought your album. I'm down at Tower Records in L.A. It's like, oh, cool. I, I bought it in the delete bin for $2. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's like, what? The record has been out for three days and we're deleted? <laughs> Oh, you just have to laugh sometimes. <laughs> right. I mean, unfortunately, this country doesn't know some taste, you know? They have some bad taste sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, you know, record companies especially, they're not known for their, you know, their their taste uh, in, 
in music or whatever, and, and like, and, and all over the world, really, when you think there was, uh, there was, um, you know, the Beatles at one point being turned down by like, you know, 27 record companies or something, you know, it's like the Beatles, seriously, you don't see them as having any talent whatsoever, <laughs> eh? Okay. And, uh, so I don't blame the record company. And, 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 you know, I've learned over the years what it takes to, for a record to succeed. And there's a lot of, you know, backroom negotiations going on. And, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, not an easy thing. It looks easy from the outside, but it is not in reality. So yeah, it just, it is what it is. So, um, like, we run the big single off that album, and you, you actually were singing vocals for that song. Yeah. Yeah, how did that come about?
you know, We Run wasn't wasn't intended as a, sig- a single, or right. you know, I, I never at no point did I think, oh yeah, this is going to be released. It's like so, um, you know, Daryl sang, uh, you know, ninety five percent of everything we did, and uh, but I, I liked I liked the idea of being able to like you know, put my own stamp on it. And and it wasn't going to be like you know a, a big release for us or anything. So you know, you know Daryl didn't mind, and so I ended up uh, I ended up singing, and uh, and yeah, so it worked out fine. Yeah, it sure did. Um, and another hit. So you guys are two for two in the albums there. Unfortunately, you know, no one here heard it, but. It was, it was great nonetheless. Well, you <laughs> heard it. That's enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm the only one that matters. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the yeah. Th- oh, yeah. no, it is what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Third album, also uh, a winner, I, I think, uh, Distance Between. Um, so why was that your last album? Well, no. After you made three albums, I guess the excitement and everything sort of wears off. Right. And the thought of being in the studio for another, you know, three months, six months, who knows how long it's going to take. Um, well, that wasn't too appealing. Okay. And we had done, you know, what we wanted to do. And um, and so it was just, it, things just sort of came to a natural end for us. I mean, I wasn't intending to end it. It was my intention to, you know, to go on. Um, Daryl had, um, yeah, so it just, things just seemed to be, you know, work themselves out at the end there. I mean, there wasn't any, you know, big acrimony or, you know, there was no fighting or anything like that going on. Um, although there was maybe, maybe there was like a, a change in musical direction. I think Daryl would have been comfortable going and, he, he was he got into dance music okay and uh, you know nothing wrong with that but I just didn't see strange advance as being the best vehicle for that kind of material you know and uh, but yeah for, for a number of reasons you know we just sort of let it you know kind of lie there I mean there wasn't actually even any that's it we're done mm-hmm. you know we didn't have that conversation but uh, but that's the you know the way that ended up. Right now, yeah, the, the third album kind of like transitioned to more like guitar based and more you know, rather than synth like compared to the yeah. first two. Was that like the was that one of the the ideas for it, or, or that just kind of happened like you know fluidly? Well, you know, one of the reasons was that you know we now had connections to a lot of great players. Right. And, uh, and we did most of our recording in Toronto, and we're from Vancouver. So, uh, yeah. It was just like, you know, oh, well, you know, let's bring this guy in for that, and that guy in for this, and, and oh, wow, that's that's a great part. It's like, let's maybe feature that more, and, you know, just sort of the way things went. And, uh, and, and also, I guess, uh, you know, again, you know, you kind of, trying to switch things up a bit and uh that's the way it came out right yeah no it was, it was, it was still fabulous so it was very fortunate to you know have those three albums out there well 
you know, speaking of guitar on our third album, you know, I got to work with Alan Holdsworth, and he's like a monster of a guitar player. I mean, you know, guitar, you know, famous, incredible guitar players bow down to him. He sadly passed away last year, but uh, it was such an honor to have him play on a, on a couple of our songs. I was just thrilled. Yeah, no, because I, I, he, he played with one of my favorite bands, Level 42, for a little bit, too. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And you also had Randy Bachman on your on third album, too. Yeah, well, you know, I live in the same town that he used to live in. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, it was funny. I, I met uh, Randy through a mutual friend, and uh, we became friends, and, and uh, I actually worked for him for a while. On some different projects. As a matter of fact, I, I worked uh, on demos for Tal Backman. You know, she's so high oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Randy had a, a little studio set up in his backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, um, was you, your father played on that album too, right? The sax. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Um, well, you know, I. I like I was saying, I'm actually a drummer, so right, right. I started off, uh, oh man, I gotta, sorry, quickly get these out of the pan. <laughs> no problem. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I played drums with him from the time I was like maybe 14, 15, and, uh, and uh, you know, when I was 14 or 15, playing this really old-fashioned music uh, was not too alluring, you know. Uh, because it was all like music from the 30s, 40s, 50s, all that kind of stuff. Right. All the all the standards, you know, because ballroom dancing, you know, mainly that kind of thing. So, but then after Strange Advance, I, my dad at one point lost his drummer, and and I said, well, what about me? You know. So we, I started going out and, and playing with him, and uh, so much fun. So much fun, um, you know, back in the saddle after all those years. So I take a lot of pride in, in telling people, yeah, I, I played in the Saints event and the Bayside's. Right, uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. One more question, which I thought I end up on all the shows. Um, remember where you were the first time you heard, I guess, Walls Away on the radio? Oh, you know, weirdly, I don't. I, I, I remember hearing. She controls me. Okay. Um, and because actually I was in the in the studio that uh, part of it had been recorded, and I was driving home from there, and turned on the radio, and it's like, and there we were. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. We're on the radio. And uh, it was a uh, quite an quite an amazing experience. And I remember Home of the Brave. Right. Um, listening to my favorite rock station, and it's like, and there's Home of the Brave. It's like, mm-hmm. oh man, you know. Mm-hmm. We're on the Fox. This is so cool. Hmm. And, um, but uh, Worlds Away, I have zero memory of that. Oh, okay. I, I was, I, maybe that, I thought that would be the first single that was that, but She Controls Me, right? Was first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that, that would have been first. Okay. That, that yeah. Sense now. Okay. But, uh, Drew, this was fantastic. I appreciate your time so much. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. It's always nice taking a little wander down memory lane. <laughs>
And a special thanks to Drew for joining me today. Go check out the band's website, strangeadvance.com. And Drew is also active on Facebook. Just search Drew Arnott. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first and all one nine, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud is also on Podbean. And go to livingmyyouth.threadless.com for all your merchandise, a Living My Youth t-shirt, hoodies, phone cases, onesies. They're all there. They make great presents. A new episode comes in every week. Stay safe, everybody, and happy Father's Day. See you then.